0: Welcome, Math-Minded Teachers, to the Math-Minded Teachers Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Skierski from RethinkMathTeacher.com, a podcast, website, series of online courses, and Facebook group dedicated to helping you reach all of your students through quality instruction, differentiation, remediation, and effective classroom management. Let's get started with Episode 7, Why I Give My Students Second Chance Tests. This week's episode is brought to you by my online course, How to Create and Use Learning Stations for Remediation, Acceleration, and Differentiation. In this three-part online course, I will walk you through how to set up skills-based learning stations so that you can remediate or accelerate every student in the room. You'll meet every student's need by giving them quality instruction on the skill they need to develop, as well as giving them sufficient practice with immediate feedback so that they can obtain mastery. You'll use these skills as your data collection component, and built into them is how to celebrate their success, which your students will love. You can learn more at RethinkMathTeacher.com slash learningstations and click on the online course icon. Again, that's RethinkMathTeacher.com slash learningstations. So recently, I had the privilege of teaching one of my daughters how to ride a bike. Now being a teacher and an athletic coach, I felt like I was qualified to do this and I began with some quality instruction. I modeled for her how to do it and I taught her the basics that she needed so that she could successfully ride a bicycle. I gave her lots of practice and would help her along the way and at the end of the allotted time, I gave her the test. That's right, I put her on the bike, gave her a little push down the street And watched her ride, hoping that she would remember everything that I had taught her. Unfortunately, she did not. And she fell down and skinned her knee pretty bad. So I labeled her a D. And then I progressed her from bike riding to unicycle riding. Now, obviously, that's not what happened. Not even close. But hopefully, as you heard that story, you had some negative feelings towards me as a parent and maybe even as a teacher. And what I want you to think about is... This is exactly how we teach our students math. We teach them the skill, how to do it. We model it. We give them some practice with some feedback. Then we give them a test. And regardless of what information we get from that test, we label our student with a letter grade. And then we progress them on to the next more challenging skill. But if the student failed the test, that means they're not ready for the next skill. Yet we're moving them on anyways. So here's what I do. After I give my students an assessment, I look at the score to determine whether or not they have mastered the concept with a little bit of grace. So it doesn't have to be 100%. I actually go for about 80% to demonstrate mastery. And if they didn't get that score, I remediate them. I put them in a learning station on that skill so they can have more time to learn and practice the skill so that they can actually master it. Now, when I tell people that I give my students multiple chances to demonstrate mastery on a skill we've been working on, I'm often met with resistance. Many teachers contend that I'm not keeping them accountable or that I'm rewarding them for not learning the material or not giving their best effort. But I disagree for several reasons. First, I'd like to make the argument that we don't all learn at the same pace. First of all, All of us, I believe, are naturals at some skills or concepts. For example, being a math teacher, I'm fairly good when it comes to picking up math skills. You might say I'm a natural. I bet that most math teachers are. However, when it comes to artistic things, musical things, I'm far from it. You probably have students who are the opposite. They're natural at athletics or art or music, but when it comes to academics, they're not natural. For me to pick up an artistic or athletic skill, I require a lot more practice than most. Some of your students require a lot more academic practice to master the skills you're teaching them in the classroom. Now we all say that we believe this. We say that we're good at some things and not good at other things and believe that that doesn't make us lazy or dumb or that we don't put forth a good effort when we try. Yet when it comes to our students in the math class, we don't extend them the same grace. We just assume that everybody learns at the same pace at the same time and those who don't, well, it's because they're not trying very hard. Maybe it's because they're not natural at learning math. Maybe they need more practice than most. Maybe they're below average when it comes to math and they need extra time or extra practice repetitions before they can master it. So my second contention is, what's the purpose of an assessment if not for us to determine whether or not the student has mastered the skill we've been teaching them? And if they haven't mastered it, why aren't we remediating and accommodating them? Why aren't we working to help them master it? Especially if mastering that skill is foundational to mastering the next skill. Imagine if I was teaching you how to ski or snowboard. So we went to the bunny slopes and... First, I started trying to teach you how to stand up on the board or the skis and how to balance and turn and, most importantly, stop. But now think, maybe you tried for a while and you hadn't gotten it, yet I decided, okay, now we're going to go on to a more challenging, difficult, and potentially dangerous course. That wouldn't make sense. We're supposed to teach skills progressively so that once the student masters one skill, then they can go work on the next one, especially in math when a lot of these skills build upon each other but that's not what we're doing with our assessments. We're giving our assessments, we're determining that the student hasn't mastered this skill and we're progressing them anyways. So what is your goal when you're teaching? Is your goal for your students to learn what you're teaching or is it something else? A lot of teachers have the goal of getting through the entire curriculum in a year or giving so many assignments every week or quarter. And I understand that there are expectations placed upon us by our superiors, But our goal should be for our students to make growth and progress. And if I can, just for a moment, touch on that component I was mentioning where our superiors often come to us with certain expectations about requirements, especially when it comes to curriculum pacing, the easiest way to combat that is with data. If you're showing your superiors the data that justifies why you're remediating the student, they they can't argue with that, especially when they're the ones telling you to use data in your instructional design. So let's talk about fairness. Fairness is not treating everybody the same. I mean, in basketball, the three-point line for high school students is not the same distance as it is from the goal as it is when you're a professional. In the same way, I don't have the same expectations on my three-year-old child as I do on my high school students or my colleagues. We treat everybody differently in all areas of life to accommodate their age, development, their size, or their ability, and this should be true in your classroom as well. Fairness is not treating everybody the same. Fairness is, having, is everybody having the same opportunity to succeed. I'm going to say that again because I messed it up. Fairness is not treating everyone the same. It's giving everyone the same opportunity to succeed. If you have a student who's academically behind his peers, how, fa- how fair is it to hold him to the same standards or to give him the same assessment or expect him to master the same amount of material? Instead, you should give everyone the same opportunity to find success. And that might mean different academic targets or mastering different concepts or having different amounts of time to demonstrate proficiency. I remember when I was in high school, I took Spanish one and Spanish two and got good grades in both of them. And I wanted to continue to learn Spanish. So I enrolled in Spanish three. And Spanish one and two were with one teacher and Spanish three was with a different teacher and a different group of students. And when I entered the room, I could not say much in Spanish and everyone in the room was speaking complete sentences and having full conversations with each other in Spanish. I had no idea what was going on and I was quickly found myself failing the course and I actually had to drop it, which thankfully I could drop the class in high school. Otherwise, it would have been a real struggle. Now, some of our students in our math classes they're the exact same way. We're speaking a language they don't understand because they haven't developed all the skills needed to do the grade level work, yet we're not giving them an opportunity to remediate. And they can't drop out of the math class, they have to take it. So we have to be able to accommodate them. Now the question that you should be asking or that most people ask me is, how can I allow some students to retake the test or remediate that skill while others move on? And that's a fair question. I mean, imagine if I'm teaching standard one, whatever it is, and half the class passes it, and they go on to standard two, but the other half stays on standard one. Now I've got two groups of students in different – they're going over different material in the class. And then what happens on the second assessment when half of each group again passes – So half of group two goes on to standard three, half stays there, half of group one goes on to standard two and half stays in one. So now I've got students in standard one, two, and three or skill one, two, and three. How do I accommodate everybody without stretching myself thin or trying to teach three different lessons? The answer is differentiated instruction. You have to meet your students where they are. And when we're talking about differentiated instruction in this sense of the word, we're talking about the content that's being delivered to the students. So it's not in like the product, what the students are doing or the task they're performing. They're not all working on the same skill but doing different activities. They're actually working on different skills. This is why I use skills-based learning stations in my classroom. So when a student does not master concept one, I put them in a skills-based learning station for that concept. And inside that concept, I have a tutorial because that's how we learn, we learn by being taught so the students can go back and relearn the skill. And then I have lots of practice with immediate feedback because that's how we convert information into our long-term memory, by practicing it, practicing it correctly over and over again. And I build stations for each of these standards or skills that the students are working on in my classroom. So I can have students in learning station one or skill one and a learning station on skill two and a learning station on skill three all at the same time. And I'm not needed to be in any of them for the duration of it or for the teaching of it. They're all self-run so I can move freely throughout the classroom and help everyone as needed. So what about you? Are you punishing your students for needing more time than most to master a skill? Are you focused on student growth? or Are you focused on pacing? And are you utilizing solely whole group instruction and it's penalizing your students who need more, sl- more support or it's penalizing your students who are ready to move on but they have to slow down and remain on a skill because the rest of the class is struggling? Would you like to m- learn more about skills-based learning stations? I have some resources that will help you. Again, this podcast episode is sponsored by RethinkMathTeacher.com slash learningstations. So just go to that website, RethinkMathTeacher.com slash learningstations, and you'll see the three resources I have that can help you get started with learning stations today. One is a free downloadable cheat sheet, which you also get when you join our Math-Minded Teachers Facebook group. It's right there at the top of the page as an announcement. And then the other two resources I have for you are a book called Reach Them All and the online course I spoke about at the beginning of this podcast episode. And just so you know, when you enroll in the the online course, you get a free digital copy of the book. All right, that's gonna do it for episode seven, why I give my students second chance tests. I hope it's challenged you. I hope it's caused you to reevaluate how you're assessing your students and what you're doing with that information after you've done so. And I hope you'll check out Learning Stations.